G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Episode 7 of Series 7 of This Week in Startups Australia. Scaling is the hardest task facing an entrepreneur. Harder than getting started, harder than getting to an MVP, harder than getting investment. Scaling is hard. But there are any number of startups who have scaled successfully, including a few who have already been on Twista, such as Canvor, Envato, Catapult, and Airtasker. What can we learn from their successes in scaling? That's our theme for Series 7. Scaling comes with a cost, and too often the full weight of that cost lands on the shoulders and in the heads of founders. So many moving parts, so much pressure, so many people looking to a founder for stability, for guidance, for assurance that everything is going to be okay. And the founder, they're so preoccupied keeping those plates spinning for everyone else, they're unlikely to look after themselves. Scaling breaks people as effectively as failure. How can we stop that? And after the fact, how do we recover from it? Founder wellness and mental health against the odds on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by .co, the domain name for innovators, entrepreneurs, startups, and creators growing extraordinary ideas online. Your brand wasn't built to blend in, so don't let it. Get a .co domain that's as unique and memorable as your one-of-a-kind idea. Find your .co today at go.co slash twista and take advantage of freebies, tools, and resources to get your idea off the ground. That's www.go.co slash twista. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Are you a small business looking to streamline costs on shipping and postage? Simplify and save with SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. Visit them online at pitneybowes.com slash au slash twista. And This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by the University of Technology, Sydney, driving the next generation of entrepreneurs. UTS is equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build the foundation for a successful career. To find out more about entrepreneurship at UTS and the UTS Startups Program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. It's early 1993, and I have poured the last two years of my life into my startup, Ono Sendai, which is the very first consumer VR startup. We're on the threshold of success. Sega has come calling. They're looking to license our tech for their mass-market virtual VR toy. I should have been on top of the world. Instead, I was overworked. I was cranky. I was short-tempered. I was unhappy. I was very unhappy. And worse, I was making everyone around me unhappy, too. And these are people that I knew and I respected and I liked, but it happened anyway. I had, um, I'd lost control of my feelings. 
And it got so bad that my co-founder felt, in order to save the company, that he had to fire me. And it is never a good look when co-founders fight like that because it generally heralds the death of the company. In this case, 25 years later, I think it may have been fully justified because I was just a bit too broken to do the job that needed doing and I didn't know how to recover. Now, I did find someone that I could talk to about my feelings and, and I began sorting through them. What was me? What was the pressure? What was the actions of other people? And it took time. It took really at least six months before I started to feel normal again. And it made me leery of going back into startup land. It really was 20 years before I took the plunge again. Now, it's never easy to talk about your personal struggles, but it is important. And way back in Series 2, we did an entire episode that focused on failure because it's important that a founder understand that they're not alone in failure, even when they feel alone. And I've had my share of failures. I've learned. One of the things I've learned is how important it is that we take care of ourselves and not just our startups, not just our staff, ourselves. Now, here to help me talk through what this means in practice, Twister would like to welcome back Alex Scandera, the managing director of Stone & Chalk. Now, we spoke to Alex not long after Stone & Chalk was set up. And in the years since, they've gone from strength to strength. They've become the central pillar of a fintech startup community throughout Australia. Welcome back, Alex. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here. So, you know, we've both been at this for a while. What what have you learned in your own experience here? Oh, gosh. Way so much. And um, quite, quite, I'd say, illuminating around our own limitations. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's quite natural that especially entrepreneurs, we, we feel so empowered and so optimistic about the kind of outcomes that we can ourselves generate. And that's, you know, there's a kind of mania. It's almost a messianic oh, mania that yeah. drives every entrepreneur and that's a good thing and it's a bad thing, right? It's both. A hundred percent. And it, it feels the journey is almost like we really are all some in some way, shape or form bipolar. Yeah. Yeah. In that, you know, if we're not bipolar, the journey's bipolar. Yeah, well, and it's, it's, making it's the us roller coaster, bipolar. right, exactly. That's right. That the only way you can stay on is by actually riding that emotional roller coaster. Yeah, and, um, you know, one of the key things I've learned is um, the sheer importance of perseverance, number mm. one, um, and not giving up and, and really seeing that long picture and, and reframing time, timelines, but also this sense of patience, um, which I think is also a precursor and a real close partner to emotional resilience. Mm. Um, and I constantly find myself in situations where I'm trying to work towards outcomes at a much shorter time frame than what reality is going to deliver. And I know I'm not the only one. No, you see me just laughing and, and shaking my head here because I'm so across. And I, <laughs> I think most entrepreneurs are profoundly sort of dissatisfied and impatient people, right? Yeah, big time, right? And, and that's some of the key motivators for why we're doing what we're doing. And so we find ourselves, especially I think in the B2B world where, you know, we see a, a key path towards our success in partnering with other businesses where, you know, other businesses, especially bigger ones, you know, they've got a completely different um, appreciation of time. Yeah. This is, I mean, this has been explained to me that big likes to work with big because dinosaurs move 
massively but slowly and small likes to work with small. And so when you have small trying to work with big, frustration is going to be the order of the day, probably on both parts. But a big dinosaur, it takes a long time for them to even get frustrated. Yeah, totally, you know, and and it's almost like you've got this big brontosaurus of a uh, organization that's, you know, moving slowly. Every time it takes a step, it thunders on the ground and, and everything trembles. And it's just swatting at these flies, which are all the ventures that, um, you know, half the time it doesn't even really notice it there. Mm. And um, to your point, I think that's really interesting. And I think that hopefully, certainly in an Australian context, as our startup ecosystem continues to grow and mature and we start to have many more scale-ups, hopefully we're going to start to see a lot more collaboration and partnerships forming between the same sized organizations in that space. Um, and, and that's very much, you know, I think what we're starting to see the beginning of. But um, yeah, until that happens, I think there's definitely going to be frustrations on both sides. But I guess, you know, even if we get little working with little, you're still going to be dealing with the fact that little companies are very much on an emotional journey that a big company is not. And that, and you know, one of the, the hardest things for me to learn, it's been really important for me to learn, is that another person's crazy or another company's crazy isn't yours. You don't have to own it. And while you may have to to endure it, mm-hmm. um, you, it's okay to just be able to step back and go, actually, that's that's about them and and move on. And it it's done wonders for my mental health, but I still feel as though that's that's kind of the price of playing where we play, right? Is that we're actually always dealing with people who are kind of emotionally whipped up. Yeah, big time. And, you know, it's not just restricted to the startup space. It, it's pretty. It's all around us. Um, you know, I've experienced that. I'm sure you have, and and everyone listening, in all aspects of their life. Right? It's just life. Mm. Um, and each of us has our own triggers as to what kicks off this real visceral feeling of, you know, in some cases it's rage. Right? It's like, oh, now I want to rip their heads off. Um, and it takes a lot of, I think, maturity and mindfulness to, to kind of realize and recognize what you just said around, okay, you know, <laughs> that's, that's them, you know, who knows what's happened today, right? It's not, not necessarily, I don't have to own it. Um, and so therefore, can I calm down and, and just move on and, and hopefully brush it off? And, you know, this is the kind of maturity that I'm hoping I have acquired at 56 that I did not have when I was 31, 32, when I was doing Ono Sendai. And for that reason, put a lot of people through, I think, unnecessary turmoil. But, you know, a startup founder who's in their 20s, I mean, can we expect them to have the kind of emotional depth and maturity that I certainly didn't have when I was that age. Well, it's really hard to, to say. And, and I, I'd, you know, there's probably a, a whole bunch of psychologists that have the data and could give us a, a, a more objective answer, right? But if you're looking for a thought from me on that, it's probably not, right? And, and if I reflect back to when I was at that age, I mean, I used to think I was a pretty mature guy, you know, spent quite a lot of time in the military, um, had quite a lot of training and experience in leadership. And, you know, if I look back, I knew nothing compared to what I know now. Um, and, and therefore, my, you know, the emotional maturity I had then and the awareness I had of even just myself, um, let alone those around me, is just a fraction. 
And so no doubt back then I thought I probably did. And, you know, I certainly had a, a view of myself, um, which is really different to, I guess, what I see today. Aging <laughs> wisdom, right? Aged, you know, a yeah. lot less hair and a, and a bit <laughs> much, much, much bigger uh, waistline. Uh, I mean, it, it is. And you really want to be able to do what you can for someone in that position. And I know as someone who mentors startup companies that sometimes my job isn't to be the grown-up but to be the analyst, right? To just sort of listen to them as they're having an emotional meltdown and then helping them reframe that so that it's not about them. It's not about the person they're interacting with, whether that's an employee or a customer or a board member or whatever it might be but helping them bring it into the realm of not the emotional but the transactional. So they just know, look, at these are people, people have needs, they have different ways of expressing their needs. How, I mean, that, I mean, it's something that is easier, not perfect, but easier for me to do now. But for someone who's 20-something or even 30-something and is in a scaling startup, and you've got plenty of those at Stone & Chalk, we have plenty of those here at the studio, we have plenty of them in Sydney, how can we start to think about how to build an awareness that's broader than just something that relies on that person being mindful all the time? Because again, this person is juggling all of those plates. Are we going to hand them another plate and say, here, you have to juggle this too? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something that we've been mindful of for a while. You know, the average age of founders at Stone and Chalk, and I think fintech more broadly in Australia is about 42. Yeah. Right, and typically these these people have um, marriages or, or families. They've got children. They've got significant commitments financially in terms of mortgages, and in pretty much all cases, they've stepped out of a very successful career at relatively high pay, and so there's a significant opportunity cost in terms of what they're doing. And they that is front of mind to them. Big time, yeah. right? And, you know, they've then um, borrowed against their houses to help fund and bootstrap what they're doing. So, you know, failure for them isn't just about fast learning. It In many respects, it, it will bring learning and potential financial difficulty. Oh, I, I, wouldn't, right? know, I wouldn't know what you're talking about, Alex. <laughs> yes, yeah. And so, you know, the stakes are really high. Yeah. Um, certainly in those cases, right? And we've we've been running a whole range of different things that have really helped teach us a bit about what works and doesn't work in terms of what we've tried. And we've you know we've tried running mentor circles, which you know you've been a great um, participation uh, participator and contributor of. And we've also run founder circles where we've tried to run peer group sessions where they get together and founders share whether it's personal um, problems or business problems that they'd like to basically. Um, you know, crowd solve amongst themselves. But also that wasn't enough. And the reason why was because, as we all know, we kind of, when we need something, we need it now. And when mm -hmm. we don't need it, we don't need it. Mm -hmm. And so on demand was something that we were becoming more mindful of as to how could we provide some support that was much more on demand. And for that, we've partnered with Mindstar, which is another startup that's creating a new way of providing mental health support, well-being, um, and focusing more around um, staying well mm. rather than helping to just, you know, Clean get you back on your feet yeah. once you're in a really, you know, yeah. shitty state. Yeah. We're talking to Alex Skandera on This Week in Straps Australia. We will be right back. 
This Week in Startups Australia welcomes sponsor Dotco. A strong online presence is non-negotiable in today's market, whether it's your primary location for sales and trade, or you just have some key information online so people can discover your business, a website is the core of your online brand. And when it comes to choosing a domain name for your website, there are now countless options of domain extensions to choose from. But if you're looking for a domain that is short, SEO-friendly, global, and truly supports your business, go with .co. .co is the domain name for innovators, entrepreneurs, startups, and creators growing their extraordinary ideas online. With more names available than any other legacy namespace, .co is for everyone who is hustling hard and building something awesome. With freebies, resources, and tools for startups available even to those without a .co domain, check out www.go.co slash twista today and find the perfect .co domain for your big idea. .co, it's where big ideas belong on the web. And we're back talking to Stone Chalk's Alex Scandera about founder well-being. So, Alex, you now have this the MindStar service you're talking about, which is an on-demand. I'm starting to wonder if we want to start to think about more comprehensive approaches. Do we? Do I, as an advisor, as a board member, as a, a mentor, gently recommend to a founder? that they establish a relationship with someone that they can check in with around their state of being so that they have that objective guide. Because the difference, say, between me and Onosendai at age 31 and me and Moore's Cloud at age 50 was I actually did have that person. And so when things got difficult, they, I did not crash. I mean, it was difficult. It was hard. But it was, it was managed because of that. Look, 100%. Um, and, and I think as much as possible, um, boards or people around the founders should be encouraging them to have uh, that support network around them from day dot, right? So it's something that we're actually doing proactively and managing from that perspective rather than, hey, you know, looks like things aren't doing too well. Why don't we talk about it and now let's start the triage. Right. Um, because something's blown up or broken yeah, or whatever. It's, it's kind of too late, right? Yeah. So what's the point of that? Um, you know, it's, we're already in damage control. And really what we're wanting to do is, well, help prevent them getting to that point in the first place. And so, you know, we do that in business already. We've got all these tools and KPIs and reports and everything else that we do from a financial perspective. Um, and if we're really serious about people being our greatest asset, well, then how about we start doing something similar around our people? Mm. And so totally, I mean, myself personally, I've, I've got a, a mentor that I work with that helps me go through um, and talk about not just uh, work-related stuff in terms of, you know, key challenges that I face and that the company faces that we need to be thinking about and, and talk through, but also myself personally in terms of, you know, well, what are my goals? You know, how am I doing? Um, am I still enjoying what I'm doing, right? And um, when I'm finding some, the, the going's getting really tough and I might not have the, the tools that I need or I might not be sure of myself in terms of how to handle a situation, um, I've got that resource around me that I can speak to and actually work it through. Okay. 
So, I, I mean, that sounds like that's a good baseline. It's a good place that we should be starting from. And it's really interesting. Just, I think, today in my LinkedIn Daily Update, and I love my LinkedIn Daily Update, there's the, there was a little segment about Jack Dorsey going on the meditation bandwagon and da-da-da-da-da, the mindfulness bandwagon in tech now. But it almost feels like that's being bolted on, right? Like that that's it, – it's a fad. It feels faddish as opposed to something that we're actually starting to bring into the center of how we're doing it. Do we need to revisit the uh, ideals of startup culture and start to reframe them around sustainability mm-hmm. rather than burnout? And I, I'll give you an example. So I have lots of friends who went to work in the video game industry in the late 90s and early 2000s, and they all went in wanting to make great games, and they all basically walked out burnt out after 36 months because that was the process there, is they would work you at a studio so hard that you broke, and then they would just go find more fodder because people wanted to do that. And I would hate to think that startup land is going to make that same mistake again. Well, I think it has already, hasn't it? I mean, let's be honest about it. Um, There's lots of stuff, and and by stuff I mean behaviours, that we all know have started to come out, um, particularly around some of the things we've seen with regards to, say, the treatment of women and the views around, you know, these kind of macho culture, which really then talks to a lot of the stuff that you just mentioned, Mark. And it's not just in the startup land. I mean, we've seen this happen in a lot of other areas as well. Um, In typical industries, you know, I spent a lot of time in the military. I spent time in construction, um, time in telecoms, for example, then banking, and have seen a lot of that happen all around the place. You know, we see it in law firms with graduates that come out. And I think every industry and sector is under exactly the same pressure in that increasingly really smart people, you know, the top talent of the world is taking their step back now and going, you know what, I'm not interested in that. Um, And I'm backing myself to get more involved in what is going to be really wholesome and um, enjoyable opportunities for myself. Mm Now, in terms of those that are thinking about a career in entrepreneurship or startups and scale-ups, which, you know, we absolutely want to encourage, I think it's natural for people when they're, you know, in their early 20s and they haven't had that real exposure yet as to, you know, what it's like to work these types of hours Mm. to naturally think, yeah, you know, I can do it and it's fine and and have that sense of naivety into that process. And I I was totally one of those guys, right? Um, But that was of my own doing, as opposed to what you're describing, I think, whereas it's pretty much the the way that it's done and imposed upon you. And here's what I think will will start to make this difference is everyone's talking about this war for talent Mm. and it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? And much more competitive. And so I I just think that it's going to start to solve, solve itself out because we all know now that these types of behaviours and work practices just aren't sustainable and, and pretty much lead to the kind of results that you've you know, shared about yourself yeah. and I've shared about myself previously and it's not great um, and it's really hard to dig yourself out of that situation and I really don't buy into the, the kind of rhetoric that 
you still hear from from some people around you know, founders that don't work hard enough or founders that are paying themselves too much or founders that are, you know, whatever um, and coming at it from a really selfish, narrow point of view around what's in their own best interest um, as to why they're saying these things as opposed to actually what might be in the best interest um, long-term for both the business and the founder. And, I mean, sometimes you get the sense that because the best interests of the business aren't always aligned to the best interests of the founder and that some of that is because the founder hasn't known enough when they're setting up the business on how to align that, that that's exactly the right moment. It's the, the point dot. When you make the intervention and say, okay, when you're thinking about this startup, thinking, think about the rest of your life. Yes, this will consume a lot of your life. Yes, this will consume a lot of your attention, but that you get to have a rest of your life. And so the first major startup that I worked at, well, the, the second one, let's say, was on the rocket ship ride. I joined and it was employee 13 and I left was employee 350, had just joined, right? Incredible. And that was in three years. So a total rocket ship ride. And there was a period of time when I was working 14 hours a day. And I remember because we shipped the product and then it was done and I got home and I literally had forgotten what to do with my free time. It was weird. I, I, I had been so become a creature of work and so formed by that that I'd forgotten that I would see friends and go to movies and go on a date or what. I'd literally forgotten all of that. And, that that's, and that's just being part of it. That's not being a founder. That the environment that we create as founders and as entrepreneurs has a real impact on the way people are. Oh, big time, right? And... How many stories do we hear of, of people that experience that right throughout their lives, hit retirement, right, as an extreme example? Yeah. And then don't know what to and do. And then with don't themselves. know what to do. It's like, well, well what do I do now? I mean, you know, and their self esteem and everything just goes through the floor because their whole identity has been associated with what they've been doing from Monday to Friday. All right. If we're going to hit a reset button here, what are the things that we need to start building in at the foundational level? Let's just think about it like that. If you're thinking now, if you're starting a company, um, writing the charter for your corporation, because some of this can actually go into the charter, that there are sort of rights and responsibilities for the employees, what do we need to think about? Well, from a personal perspective, and I think this is about emotional detachment, mm. One thing that I've found to be really helpful for me is to create this separation between myself and the business, that I am not the business yeah. and that the business isn't me, yeah. right? The, the ego boundary, exactly. Exactly, right? And, you know, that what we're doing is is setting up a completely separate entity and organisation that has its own lifespan, its own, you know, everything associated with it that I am helping to orchestrate and, and are a part of. Um, and really helping then frame my thinking around that, as you're saying, Mark, from the very beginning and things like, you know, uh, what role I see playing in this and having, you know, foresight in terms of some of the what ifs around, well, if it doesn't succeed, you know, what might be some of my prepared mind states and views about that, um, and taking a bit of a, a mature approach around, um, I think pausing before, you know, launching straight into it mm -hmm. and considering some of these potential outcomes mm -hmm. and almost pre-programming in your mind, even though, you know, you'll probably forget and it won't, 
it won't be as relevant, let's say, at that point in time in the future. But I, I think anything you can do from the very beginning to pre-program how you, you are thinking about these things in the future in terms of these potential outcomes would be helpful. Um, and I've, it, it, it's quite an ethereal concept to try and to articulate really in words for me. It's not something that I've, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time kind of like refining, but I've just found that in a lot of the conversations I've been having with founders, especially those that are just starting as well as those that are um, really at important junctions, junctures of their journey, is to try and help them separate themselves as individuals from the potential outcomes of their business. That business failure isn't the same as personal failure. Right. And uh, that it will all actually be okay. Yeah. No matter what happens. No matter what happens. It'll all be okay. Yeah. And that's really hard, right, because we're so passionate and believe so strongly in, in why we're doing what we're doing and what we want it to be and the dream we have in our minds in terms of what we want this to turn into. Um, but the reality is there is so much outside of anyone's control that our ability to influence that outcome in its entirety is actually so small, but we can't grasp that, you know, <laughs> mentally, right? Right, because we want to have, we want to think it's our, our, our success and our fault. Yeah. And it, we're, we're an actor in a large system Big of time. people doing things. And it's kind of bizarre, right? Because hang on, but, you know, aren't I the founder? Aren't I the entrepreneur? Aren't I the one making this happen? Aren't I the one, you know, controlling my own destiny, yeah, yeah. right? And in many respects, we are. But what we're doing in a way is creating all these ripples in the universe yeah. that intersect with other ripples, right? And that's what's really happening. Um, and it's at those points of intersection that are kind of the amplification of these waves, right? And so it's it's kind of weird, but it's it's quite a philosophical approach i think well and i think if it helps you get perspective on that all right so let, let me let's bring this to a close with with your personal perspective you have taken stone and chalk from basically an idea to now this large nationwide thing everyone's coming at you all of the time with all sorts of questions demands pressures how do you, how have you learned how to manage that in yourself yeah look i found that really hard to be honest because i've got the kind of personality that really likes to help people yeah. Um, and so naturally I find saying no quite hard. Mm. Um, and there's been many times in these last three and a half, four years where I've found myself in situations where I've just said yes to far too many things, to far too many people. And I've got this real strong sense of being overwhelmed of, wow, I can't really get a sense of how do I prioritize my way through this? And so what I've really had to do is, is force myself to think through what other things that I as a leader need to be prioritizing and focusing on, which will provide the greatest benefit to why Stonic Chalk exists, right? And then for those things that don't really fall into that filter is to think through who else in the team can I really pass that on that can potentially handle that and, ultimate, and to be quite honest, in a much better way than I can because they've got the right focus and, and time to do it. And I think I came to that realization about a year ago where I, I came to understand that it was no longer really about how much I 
was doing things, but much more around how much I was able to support the team mm. in being able to fulfill the purpose. And that, that I think is an, a really important transition point for every founder. And that's, you think about it, that's the adult transition point. It's no longer the child sort of having the I-centered universe, but the adult having the we-centered universe. How can 100%. we work together? How can we succeed? That's right. And, you know, we've always had that kind of approach, but then as our capability grew and as, um, you know, the capability within the team grew, we were able to get to that point where, yeah, actually, now what my role is more about empowering the next generation of leaders within the team that can then support a much wider group of founders across Australia. Alex, thank you so much for having this very frank, honest, and really enlightening discussion. Absolute pleasure, Mark. It's always great to be here with you. Are you a small business or a small e-tailer looking for better ways to streamline costs and improve efficiency? Introducing SendPro Plus from Pitney Bowes, the complete office sending solution that makes it easy for small businesses and e-tailers to consistently choose the right sending option for each parcel or letter. SendPro Plus provides shipping options and prices, prints labels, and tracks parcels. An integrated, accurate scale helps assign the correct parcel label or postage. SendPro Plus makes sending simple with automatic rate updates and a shared address book across available carriers. Pitney Bowes brings shipping, mailing, and tracking capabilities to businesses looking to simplify their shipping and mailing while reducing costs. Simplify and save with SendPro Plus today and receive a $200 credit toward your parcel shipping costs. Terms and conditions apply. To learn more, visit pitneybows.com slash au slash twista. Earlier in this week, a report came out that was some sort of global startup ranking of the various cities and where they rate on how good things are there. And, you know, it was reported that Sydney had dropped to, I don't know, 26th or 23rd place. Melbourne had lost its place in the top 30. There were other cities like Amsterdam and Bangalore that were climbing up the charts. And, you know, this is the ease of doing business, the ease of getting talent, all of these other things. And, and you know, we see a lot of these lists. And, I know as a member of this community that I do get disappointed when I see that we are not succeeding according to whatever metrics are being used there. But I also have started to feel as though there may be other metrics that we need to start to think about, that there's so much focus on getting stuff done, on GSD, on crushing it, on this, on that, and the other thing, that in some ways any metric that we have that is focused solely on those kinds of outcomes is only going to produce those kinds of communities that will only be really good at sucking people in and wringing them dry. And that that is not the place that we want to be for long-term sustainability. And Startup Land is always going to have a very natural tension between working yourself to death 
and bringing yourself enough to be alive and fully participating in this world. Because Startup Land isn't just work. It's a deeply creative act. To make a dent in the universe, to quote Steve Jobs, is a creative act. It is not an act of work. If it were an act of work, people who were hard workers would be making dents in the universe all the time. And that is not how it happens. It is people who can lash their own creative energies. And creation, that requires dreaming. It requires space. It requires openness. It requires a whole bunch of qualities that are necessary for our well-being, that are necessary for our health. And if you're working all of the time, if you're never giving yourself time to breathe or time to be free, then you are not allowing yourself to have that space to be truly creative. And I always wonder in myself at those times when I'm busiest, when I'm doing client work or doing a lot of podcasts or whatever, I always worry that I'm starting to run dry. And I think at those times I'm actually running the tank down, even though the money's flowing in, the clients are calling and business is good. The things that make business good are not exactly the things that make me good at business. And this is the thing that I feel isn't represented on any chart that I've seen. You know, you take a look at the startup community in Auckland, which is much smaller than it is here in Sydney, but they've also set their work-life balances differently. And I, it feels more like they're under less pressure there, like they're better at taking care of themselves in that place. Whereas if you go to Silicon Valley, it feels as though... It, it, everything is entirely consumed with work, with success, whatever those metrics are, with just keeping up. And I know that there's a whole sort of set of beliefs and dreams that people ascribe to, particularly when they're young, around what they want for themselves and what they want to give of themselves to achieve those things. But it's quite often in the achievement of those things that you find out that those things weren't as interesting as you thought. That's not a new story. That's an old story. But it's a story that maybe we can avoid with a little bit of wisdom and with a little bit of care of ourselves. Developing entrepreneurial skills is at the heart of the student experience at the University of Technology, Sydney. UTS students are creating their own jobs and starting their own companies through the flagship program, UTS Startups. Within its first year, the program has launched more than 200 student startups, and they're just getting started. Equipping students with the tools and expertise to become entrepreneurs, then connecting them to industry partners and the startup ecosystem is all part of their innovative approach. UTS is connecting thousands of talented students to industry and works closely with a network of partners to match students and startups through their startup internship program. As a leading university of technology and Australia's number one young university, UTS is investing heavily in this future right now. UTS's inner-city campus is also uniquely positioned in Sydney's thriving tech precinct to be the catalyst for digital and creative industries and the startup community. 
Join them on the journey building Australia's largest community of student entrepreneurs. Go to startups.uts.edu.au to find out more. One thing I cannot stress enough, if you are in a hard place, talk to someone. It could be a friend. It might start with a friend, but it could very well be a professional. There is no shame in needing to reach out for help. In fact, it's the opposite of that. Knowing to reach out for help is the sign that you're an adult, that you're actually capable of understanding when you're overwhelmed and reaching out for the help that you need when you're overwhelmed. And I feel as though we don't thank ourselves enough for remembering to ask for help. We see it as just a sign of weakness. Actually, no, it's a sign of strength. It's a sign of wanting to be better. And that sometimes in order to be better, we need to do that with others. Big thanks to Twistersponsors.co, Pitney Bowes, and UTS Startups. Their support makes our podcast possible. Thanks to the studio at Winter Green for providing the amazing facility where we record this week in Startups Australia. It's the place for creative tech. Find out more at thestudio.org.au. Thanks to Alex Scandera for taking the time to come onto our show and for his wonderful words. Last year, we rebuilt and relaunched our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows, all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. And we'll be back next week looking at one of Australia's hottest young startups, Bindi Maps, and the scaling challenges it faces as it struggles to come to terms with rapid growth. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia. <laughs>